0: Oh, uh, here we are buddy i've had Welcome the worst to day over 50 starting over i'm merle garrison and that's barry edwards
1: yeah i hope i don't <laughs> my mojo doesn't rub off on anybody today i uh i got up early this morning to do the yeah? typical thing hope to go to the gym of course i couldn't ride my bike it's storming like crazy there's uh, oh some branches down and um and then our internet was out so now it's like, Oh, my God, I can't go to the gym, I got to figure out this internet thing. Should I reboot all of that. Lisa is still sleeping, which is unusual. She usually gets up at 330 or so. And, you know, I'm like, worry about her. And uh, I'm like, Hey, hon. Uh, she's behind closed doors and stuff. And then she gets really angry with me because uh, she left me a note on a paper towel said, I didn't sleep all night. Don't bother me. And uh here I am no internet. Now she doesn't share some of the secret information with me so I can call AT&T and get that resolved. So at this point, I'm just kind of angry. I pack up all my stuff and the dog and come over. Fortunately, my renters left early.
0: Right, right. It's and, looking good uh, over there.
1: So here I am. Oh, so I I pull up to the street. We're on this dead end street here and a, a telephone pole is down blocking everything. I have to park uh, a little bit away and haul all this stuff in in three trips, including a dog in
0: a cage. Oh, my gosh.
1: Get in here. And then you and I have endless problems trying to get connected to Zoom, which I'm not surprised <laughs> about one bit. It was
0: <clears throat> par for the course for your day. And and
1: it's uh, 10am. And this is like, yes, so
0: yes, it is. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, it's uh, now we got to just go with it, man. Because that's all we got to do here.
1: (laughs) I'd really like to know what was going on with that audio, though. So it never happens again. But
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, our friend Irby passed last week, and I'm going to the viewing this afternoon, oh, I this
0: afternoon. Okay, as
1: soon as I post this, I'm hoping to be out of here by two thirty or so. Right, and um, boy, I got a we got a lot of nice feedback from a lot of Irby's friends that thanked us for the show, and I really, really I really appreciate that. Uh, a very dear friend of Irby's, Anthony. If I'm gonna mess this name up, Anthony Difenzano deep did De, Pretty sure I got that. He says I'm one of Herbie Greenwood's oldest friends since the second grade. And we uh text and talk every day. I saw the podcast regarding him. And I thank you. I will be in Cleveland for his memorial next weekend. That's this weekend now. And we are going to go to East 55th to talk about his love of life. Mm. And I have this gig going on with my mom, everything is just coming to a head here. And so my mom's 80th birthday is this weekend, we're leaving tomorrow to take her to Amish country. And I'm going to try to get back in time for uh, this gig at East 55th tomorrow evening. I mean, I really Uh, Anthony and I emailed back and forth several times. I got to know him a little bit. I'm looking forward to, hopefully I see him at the viewing today. Um, But I'd at least like to see you at East 55th tomorrow, along with some other friends of Irby's. I think that'd be great. I wanted to say that Irby's brother, Ed, uh, who I've met a couple of times, love this guy. He reached out, also thanked me for Irby's dedication, the podcast uh and we talked about how kind irby was i hate saying that in past tense but i really look forward to seeing it again today and i hope he's doing great also want to say charles pierce commented on our video thanks for the kind words about irby he will be missed and he really really will be by a lot of people and also i'd like to say that megan buckaloo uh left a couple messages and said, my heart breaks for Barry Barry grieving is not about being selfish. It's the opposite. It's self care and preservation. And that is needed when you lose someone that you love. I totally agree, Megan. And I understand what you're saying. I really, really appreciate your kind words. Uh, I really, really
0: do. I think that was really a wise, wise thing that she said, because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's sort of like, if you can't, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't actually take care of anybody else. You can't, you can't love somebody else if you don't love yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so that's really what she's talking about. I think I picture um, that uh, thing that the flight attendants tell you when Mm. you're about to take off is that when those oxygen masks drop, you need to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you really? pass it along to your kids so um i i i i thought she encapsulated the right thing in that in that uh that, in her message uh, mm-hmm. very well i've got another one here from uh from Wendy and Wendy Burns. And she says, uh, Marl, what a touching episode. This was the correlation between allowing yourself to feel grief and that being, um, and and that being a reflection of love made me think of a quote from a Marvel movie. Yes. Marvel. She puts in (laughs) quotes and the quote is, but what is grief if not love persevering? That I mean, was really. I wonder what movie fun. that was from. I don't know, but I just got goosebumps on that.
1: Yeah, that was a really good quote. It really it,
0: was. She's a uh, she's Wiley. a deep person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I wanted to say about the uh, seemingly feeling selfish about the lost thing versus not. My point is that it, I for I'm talking about myself. I think it. Yeah, it's great to. Uh, grieve my personal loss, I still am. But I'm thinking about if if I get the chance to say something, there's the viewing today, there's a funeral tomorrow that I don't know if I'll be able to make. I wanna discuss how these things are different today than they were a few years ago hmm. and get your feedback. But yeah. if I have a chance to say a few things, my point is, is I don't wanna be making a spectacle about myself crying and stuff, I wanna be, talking about some really beautiful things that i know and i want to share about irby yes it, that's what i mean it's about irby it's not about me right but given that i'm talking i guess i'm referring to last week's podcast i just heard the news and you know it was a little tough for me to keep it together
0: there in the beginning me too Jeez.
1: so what is yeah i know i know it was just um you know when you see your friend hurting and stuff it's it's heartbreaking yeah you know? yeah um I've had that experience with you as well. So, when I went to Tazan's funeral last year, Irby's son that was murdered, the I guess you call it viewing. I think that's right. synonymous with wake. Is it? Yes, it okay. is. Yes. Okay. So I went to that and you know I spent some quality time with Irby. And uh, when they went, then there was the time. When the family the everybody is getting ready to do the funeral part, right? And that's when I thought it was most appropriate for me to say goodbye and let oh. family do that. So in this instance, the viewing or slash wake and the funeral were all on the same day. Now, so I was talking oh, about this with Lisa.
0: That, that's interesting. <clears throat> I've never heard of that before.
1: But I've been to funerals like that.
0: Oh, you have where the mm-hmm. wake and the funeral were the same. Yeah. But then
1: Lisa says when her father passed away 10 years ago or so, oh, it was more than that, about 15 years ago, that uh, he had like two viewings. I kind of remember doing uh, funerals like this too. There's two days of viewings. If you couldn't make one, try to make the other. And then the funeral was on the third day.
0: Huh. I've never been to one of those before the ones that I've seen like I just say about my fathers and you know they had the uh the wake was the day before the funeral and everybody comes it, it was an open casket uh, uh but then the funeral's different because that's it, a closed casket you've got the pastor gives his eulogy and and other people come up and everything and then you, you proceed to the to the to the burial grounds and everything that that's pretty much the routine I've seen. Um, mm. pretty much that's, that's the traditional thing that I've seen, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I've never seen it uh, all done on the same day before.
1: Yeah, I, I think I have. Um, so these are in two different days and I was wondering what to wear and I even Googled it and everything and boy, you could find real traditional stuff. Well, you should wear a tie and a black jacket and black slacks right. and, and other things which seems more contemporary to me, I'm talking about an August day where it's supposed to be about 90 degrees and humid. And it says, well, wear a darker color shirt for the mood right. to have the right mood of things, but maybe you could do khaki pants, uh things like that. So, you know, I don't have to do the sports jacket or whatever. And I think that right. would be inappropriate today where for a large part, we're all standing outside and uh yeah, yeah. talking and yeah. So I just bring that up to share. There's been a lot of changes over the years, and I, I think that we're all a little confused as to protocol these days.
0: You know, the 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 big and most important thing that I can think of regarding this subject is that, um, you know, obviously, these things are important and, and, you know, adequate when it comes to funerals. But I just remember, you know, when it comes to my family members with funerals, I go back to my father again, and just remember that uh, all I remembered coming out of that is just that my friends were there. I don't remember what they were wearing. I don't even remember what they said. It didn't even matter what they said. All that mattered was that they were there. yeah, and I didn't care what they were wearing. And at the yeah. end of the day, it was just that love that I felt that was all around me that uh, it, if you want to be a blessing to the family, that's all you got to do. Yeah. bring your bring your love and and just be yourself. And Barry, you're like so good at just just, you know, you're so good in your own skin. And when you, when you go there and just be yourself, you're going to be a blessing to everybody around. That's all there is to it. Just just put yourself in that situation. Everything's going to work out. And just remember there's nothing you can say really. mm -hmm. There's nothing you can say to bring Irby back. Right. It just can't. So, so there's nothing. I mean, that's what they want and there's, we all know that can't happen. So it just standing with the family just makes all the difference to the family.
1: I think so as well. And what I, you know, I wanted to say about that is I've gotten to the point where uh, I, I dealt with the, my own shock and um, I can honestly say that it didn't take me long to get to a point of happiness for Irby uh, to get past myself and really think about, and I truly am happy for him. I just really think that he's with uh Uh, His loved ones that not that he didn't leave a lot, a lot of people behind here, but boy, he had a lot of loss in his life. And I think his reunion was just absolutely tremendous. And I am, I'm truly happy for him.
0: There's a great picture in this uh this book that i read uh co- written by a guy named paul bunyan it's called the uh paul bunyan yeah yeah he, he, it sounds like the guy that chops down all the trees but it's just, <laughs> not not the same. sounds guy. exactly
1: like him actually yeah, yeah. well
0: it, it's the same name it's, it's, it's not, he didn't double as a as an no. author but he, he he wrote this book uh called the uh Pilgrim's Progress. Actually, it's an old book, but it's 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 a very interesting book. And there's a picture of somebody passing away at the end. And it, what it is is they all go down to this this lake, and there's a a ship that comes in, and it's their loved one is going to get on the on the ship, and they're all standing there and they're hugging and everything, and she gets on the ship, and she's going, and they're all standing on the shore and they're crying. And the, and the the boat is coming to the horizon, and they're feeling very sorrowful that they're going to miss their friend and everything. But then the picture flips to the other side. The people on the other shore are seeing the ship coming over the horizon, and yeah. there's she's on the ship, yeah. and everybody's so excited to see her, and it's you a should. glorious reunion. And it comes from that book, but that's really... You shared that before. It's beautiful. such a beautiful picture.
1: Very well illustrated. Like m- mentally, you even um, relay it very, very well.
0: I love it. It makes me yeah. feel joy when I think about that. And that's yeah. going to be our experience as mm-hmm. well. And that's what we're looking forward to. I agree. Uh, but that's, uh, these things are hard. They're very hard. And you've got... Quite a transition to make from that to your mother's 80th birthday, which is yeah. tremendous. That is yeah. so, uh, it's gonna be so cool. Happy birthday, Mrs. Edwards. That is uh, her name fan- is Wendy, as a matter fantastic. of fact. Fantastic. Oh, yes. happy birthday, Wendy. And uh, 80 is the new 40, I think. And so, uh, she's healthy
1: as a uh, as a get, man. Yeah, that's
0: fantastic. I mean, that what a blessing to have a mother that's healthy like that at that age and you know uh and just to celebrate that with the family so you're going to Amish country is that is that uh, like her her kind of place is that why you all have chosen that
1: yeah it is it's really down to earth and I'm going to share more about it afterward uh because just in case I don't want to ruin any surprises (laughs) that's uh, good yeah, we have uh, some more stuff in store. I have an interesting subject that I still think fits in the beginning of the 050 segment that you're going to you're going to find this interesting. So yeah, I got just, a couple things, too. Cool. I just got over here, right, like an hour ago to yeah. uh, our University Heights house here in the rental. And it was two. Uh, how do I say this? OK, so I was going to say as two ladies uh, staying here and I met Val. Uh, and a, a very nice uh, middle aged woman, like 60 ish, maybe. And we had a nice conversation when I came over to mow the lawn and stuff. And and she tells me that, uh, though not available right now, that Alec, uh, Alec, A L I K, is her friend that is staying with her. And uh-huh. she, she, she goes by they. Oh, and that's her pronoun. They got you. Okay. And now I'm contradicting myself by saying her pronoun is they but uh, you see the irony. And I so there I was faced with that. And uh, now I have had a ton of texts with Alec. And um, just about the plants in the house and uh, a lot of joking around going back and forth. I mean, terrific texts. And we did for the uh, month that uh, they were here. And I wanted to just, oh, and I want to say right up front. So I got in here. I never know what to expect. And it's this stormy day. It's humid and it's gross out. And I come in here and it is clean as a bone. And I mean, it is, it's just, and that is the one thing today that went, went well. And I wow. just, I mean, spotless
0: and I that's, mean- this is the same room that you did your last mm. podcast in when yeah. uh the the other people the guys left yeah and oh, i gotta say geez. uh behind you looks totally different uh because <laughs> it looked like uh there was a, i don't know it's just, maybe somebody was, was wrestling in the background <laughs> before the film <laughs> The Lisa last said,
1: and she's like you just don't do well on your own you're all disheveled you're in a dirty t-shirt you don't even think about
0: it there was some junk in the background she always there.
1: she she always looks at me before we're about to start she looks up my shirt oh, she'll be wise. like no and yeah. uh, she'll like if it's a certain shirt she'll like roll come here roll up these, uh sleeves that's a little funny. bit or whatever
0: I know she's normally asleep when I get ready to do the show. Uh, so they were probably yeah. she would be doing the same thing, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. Why, why do you have that thread hanging off of your collar? It's like that? funny
1: how uh, what's the word unobservant? There's the word for unobservant. Yeah. I am. Me too. I, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll have like some food all down my shirt or something, you know. I, I, get there?
1: I always say I could never be a detective. No, I, I my just, wife
0: could be one, though. She oh, would be, she would be Lisa, outstanding. Uh, women are like that. I oh, seen, they're
1: just sensing everything all the time. And
0: uh, all the
1: details. Just, but I don't know how to keep
0: but it up you know. with all those details. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's. I, I try to tell her how, how freeing it is to just turn your brain off.
1: My it's mother... Just, my mother swears to God, she's, she has said this for decades, but she, and I know she thoroughly believes this she, men can't see dust. It's just no. not within our sense of range.
0: Yes. <laughs> crumbs fall into I the see same category. Oh, you crumbs. do? Oh, well, but I don't yeah. see enough of them.
1: Yeah. I That's I had, my
0: problem. I see big crumbs. I don't yeah. see the little tiny ones. I, I just don't notice them. I, Actually, I have to say,
1: d- yeah. doing this Airbnb thing, I've had yeah. to get better, more sensitive to all I'm of these sure. things as I sure. go along. And Lisa'd come over and be like, this place is filthy. You know, I'm ready to turn it over. And it's yeah. like,
0: yeah, how could this be filthy? Yeah. What, are you, what are you talking about? You could eat yeah. off the floor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't so, do that. <laughs> so uh I want to get back to uh the being confronted with the pronoun situation for the yeah, first time yeah, in that's my a life. Tough one. And immediately, you know, it's like just me being me and and putting yeah. yourself in the same situation. I yes. want to respect. That person, of course, of course. And, uh, but I don't know how to say they in the in the circumstances. And if I'm talking about the two of them, uh, my ex renters together, I'm also saying they. Uh, I know. I you know. wish that people like that. I don't know if this means that that's a man trans trans. uh
0: Yeah. Doing the you're on thin ice now.
1: I know. I don't know the word, <laughs> but trans, transitioning that's the word i'm yes. trying to find transitioning to a woman right but is right. there a way that you or if it's a woman
0: transitioning to
1: a man that seems it's a so trans weird. man is that how you say it yes okay and, and in either so case, like for instance caitlin jenner
0: is a trans woman
1: Oh, transition to a woman. Right. Gotcha. Hey, man, you just shut a lot of light. Simplified
0: it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but the they thing. This mm-hmm. is tough because we've lo- we've been taught all of our lives to use they in a certain context. Correct. So now we're asked to use they the as a as a pronoun however that pronoun grammatically does not fit into how we've learned to to speak so now we have to say if this woman were upset by the terms of the contract you'd have to say they was really angry about that
1: yeah it just makes grammatically
0: correct right to to say that and also if 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 people don't know that you're speaking about an individual rather than a group,
1: everyone's people, confused and uncomfortable. No. They're
0: gonna think that either you can't speak English or you don't you've made a mistake. And what you really meant was they are really upset and they're now they're thinking it's a group of people. Exactly. And it's really hard to communicate. You know. Um, <clears throat>
1: I I wish, and I'm ignorant in this situation. Clearly, admittedly, I wish if if he wants to transition to a she that he would say, "Please, from now on, refer to me as she." I mean, that makes sense. I know people are like, "Well, I don't identify as either." There's a that's what's going point. on, right? and it's like, "Well, okay," uh, I I don't know what to do about that, but it just makes everybody on unc- it it's uh. I, and Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot too, because this is the problem. That's oh, this is a nice segue for uh, something I would like to bring up. But that's what got him in hot water about five or six years ago. Oh, yeah, and, but that's a know. whole
0: impetus on that. On yeah, that whole thing isn't
1: it? Yeah, and uh, that he's like, hey, I don't care how you want to identify, but now you're trying to take away free speech. You're trying to impose a speech on other people. You can do whatever you want to do, but don't tell other people what they have to do now and make it a moral dilemma uh, issue and put, because I feel literally, I think as we discuss this, we feel like there's no way that we can get this right. We are being painted into a corner (laughs) and if we go right or left, we're going to step right into the mousetrap and now we're horrible, uh, sexist, transphobic people and because we're put into this odd situation
0: well you know and it's interesting too because we've we've seen we haven't seen anything like this yet i mean we've seen where um like for instance black people uh being called african americans and Mm -hmm. and the sweet by the way i have an article on this often Uh, a misnomer absolutely a misnomer um because i don't know any africans in my family but um uh, that's a you whole my story.
1: DNA blood test, and you're. Yeah, more I here. got them, and they're
0: in there. The yeah. West Africans are there. I just don't know them, um, and you know. So, but here's the thing: is that we changed the nomenclature of the race, but we didn't change the nomenclature of the pronouns for the race. So, so that's a whole different thing. We've never seen anything mm-hmm. like this before, and it actually doesn't change a name it grammatically changes the language and that's a completely new thing and it seems like it's crossing a line just because it it's it's causing a deep change in how we communicate it's not a it's not a surface level change you have to think differently in order to convey those pronouns Mm -hmm. in a in a context that would make sense which which really is is uh it's ambiguous and vague it's very hard to describe what you're talking about it's confusing
1: it it Uh, is and
0: and think about an emergency situation where you're like uh, you know they is at the corner of, yeah. and so the police officer is like they. if He's thinking there's a whole bunch yeah. of people, so mm. you're gonna have to bring backup. You know what I'm saying? Like, I it, know what you're saying, but I want to put to it. Communicate. It's hard it to communicate. I this want to what, put what it in this about.
1: context: is that 20 years ago, just 20 years ago, we used to still make so many gay jokes and slurs in that direction, and we've become way more sensitive to that in so many respects. And if you go back 50 years ago, it's it's dramatic, it's uh, mind blowing the difference in uh, uh, the way we look at uh, homo, uh, homosexualism. And so maybe this is the beginning of this for trans people. I don't know, we'll only know when we're looking back on it. But it makes me think, though, uh, what, so my only point is, is that it's, uh, it's a, It's a clumsy transition for us that are not intending to be clumsy. We're intending to be respectful, but it's just really difficult.
0: Well, you know what, Barry, I sometimes wonder like who comes up with these things like is is one
1: person and then it becomes a big deal because everybody goes, oh, I could get attention if I jump on this bandwagon and call you a a homophobe or a transphobe and now everybody gets scared of being called that it's it's the same thing that we talked about with the Cleveland Indians, you got a, a couple people that get on this oh we can get offended by this whole Indian thing, and And ignore the entire uh, majority of people, including uh, the Native American Indians that said, I'm not offended by this. It's a celebration. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: know, it's a I'm just thinking about the whole they them kind of thing. And is that is that is are there really a lot of people that want this i mean i certainly see that on social media but mm-hmm. i'm finding that no. when you see, see it on social media it doesn't really mean that's the majority i've got an article that right here uh, mm-hmm. from gallup you know the ones that do mm-hmm. the gallup poll sure. and we've seen these these words come out that uh that you wonder, well, where did African-American come from? Where was, was that? Is that what most Black people want? And and what about this new one, uh, Latinx? And so Gallup no, just did this. No,
1: uh, uh, Latino, Latinas, uh, Hispanics. I saw that poll. Overwhelmingly, want to be called Hispanic, and what the hell is Latinx or whatever, however you want to say. It. That's yeah. That oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That just you no. got me all ruffled right
0: there. Well, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, because in this particular poll that 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 they just took, that it looks like uh, 23% prefer Hispanic of 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 those uh, in that race, and. Uh, 15% Latino, only 4% say that they prefer Latinx, only four. So who's coming up with white this? people? 57%, by the way, said it does not matter, which I think is pretty interesting. I do too. Yeah. Well, you know, as far as the, the poll for black people, you know, black or African-American, it's very interesting what they came out with on what the poll. For black, 17%. For African-American, it's a tie, 17%. Mm. And 58% said it does not matter. Mm. That's kind of shocking to me, but it Mm. doesn't matter. So all of this, here, here it is. 58% 58% Black people say it doesn't matter. Uh, would, 57% of Hispanics said it doesn't matter. So almost 60%, that would be a super majority, mm. say it doesn't matter. So here on television, they, in social media, we make such a huge deal of this. But it's because really, we don't.
1: We don't have bigger problems to worry about.
0: Right. Well, the people that are in that race don't really care. I I suspect, because I was looking actually to see what American Indians thought about being called Indian. I couldn't find anything. This is what Mm. I found. But I suspect that's the same thing there. I'm sure.
1: I'm sure. So what you make me think about is... um, I've talked about her several times. Yenmi Park. Oh, she man. she is the girl from North Korea that I
0: really love her. Yeah. Did you listen to that interview? I that you listened wrote? to about a half hour, forty minutes of it, and I thought she was fantastic. She I, is. I I just think what a what an intelligent young woman mm-hmm. she is for, especially after having gone through this literal hell all of her life to be able to communicate that with such. Uh, succinctful language, and what we
1: mean by communicate that is, she was from North Korea, and no one uh, prior to her being vocal about this knew really anything or cared uh, about what's really going on in North Korea. We, her point is, is we'd rather be obsessed with our pronouns here and uh, and and talk about how horrible our country is, mm-hmm. and she came from North Korea, where they own nothing, nothing. And you don't even know what I mean, when I say that, I mean, nothing, and everything belongs to the state. They don't go to the grocery store and get food, they forage, they eat bugs, uh, grasshoppers, dragon dragonflies, she says, a a good source of protein, but they were always in a state of starvation. She the first time she saw a trash can when she escaped to China, and that was a whole nother horrifying story. But China has a lot more than North Korea. First time she saw a trash can, she asked what that was, and because she couldn't conceive that people had something to throw away, because they own nothing. What she learned in North Korea is that the world began at the beginning of uh, what's his name
0: Kim Il Sung. Say again, Kim Il son
1: Yeah, I I have the hardest time Kim Il Um at the beginning of his uh it is it's right. his birth. Yeah, it was it was the
0: beginning of it, it was his birthday. That, that's it's
1: the like beginning the, of the universe. He is yeah. God. To it's like the birth of Christ. Right. She'd never seen a map. She didn't know what was going on. They didn't have North Korea, does not have electricity. When you see it from the satellite, it's the darkest it's dark. place on the globe. Yep. And I oh not uh, only is it dark minute, from cannibalism. Space is Very, a real thing
0: there yes uh, uh it's not only dark from space it's gray like nothing's growing there mm-hmm. uh, it's a uh, it's it looks like uh, a cancer actually from space it's it's pretty crazy but these it stories is. that she told uh, about what it's like there you know when she talked about the starvation and how uh, in the morning it takes her about a half an hour to just come to her senses and start moving around because they're starving the, the malnutrition is is causing a, a brain fog to happen and she mentioned that everyone there in North Korea is in that brain fog they're sort of stumbling around like like zombies and think how easy it is to control. A race like that which she said is that yes. there's no way for them to have any higher level of thinking there because they're obsessed with being able to find some kind of food, she said that if they found a snake that that was a huge bonus. You don't find a snake. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like finding any kind of meat was a giant, gigantic thing. Uh, She talked about her mother witnessing somebody who had uh, butchered a cow that was on state property being executed. And then another thing that just jumped off was that uh, the leader uh, Kim Il-san had uh, been see something about them having pets the population having pets really made him think that they're honoring these pets above the state above him so it's he ordered, ordered that dogs. every one of those dogs be uh be uh, seized uh, and killed season killed right I mean can you imagine somebody coming to your house and taking your dog and and you never you know it's gonna happen and you never see it again
1: there's worse stories than that um, oh
0: much worse and she talked about how <laughs> just how desensitized that she was
1: just they did growing have, up
0: in this type of a society
1: they didn't have words for love uh they didn't have a word for me or I everything was we because it's about the collective.
0: That's the thing is it's about the collective and the collective and collective salvation underneath of the God of that nation who is Kim Il-San. They have to worship this person. And really uh, the way that she painted this nation, it sounded like they were living in hell there like that is a she said living it's a giant hell.
1: concentration camp and that it is now bordered with electric fence mines and armed guards and it is a giant concentration camp it's just
0: about the amount of death that is there she was just desensitized towards it. Mm-hmm. going to the train station there were just dead bodies there that were floating her of down this- the river just wood. That's what she said. They were like wood to her. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how you see wood all chopped up and everything and you don't have any feeling towards that wood. That's how she felt. That's how the whole society feels. There's no dignity in human life whatsoever. And it's they so don't disgusting. mind if 90% of them starve to death. The government doesn't, doesn't I mean, that's actually a policy that they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're purposely their aim is to purposely starve them to death. Yeah. Uh, that is that is how they keep them under control. And I think really, I hadn't listened to the whole thing, but um, I think her point has been that there are things that are happening here in this country. This is a warning. Uh, um, when the government wants to take over every part of what you do, what you think, where you go, uh, who your friends are, where you where you go to school, and what kind of education you get, that this leads to this type of a lifestyle that they have in North Korea. Uh, she talked about receiving as a gift after she escaped a planner. And what is this, a planner? Mm -hmm. And they explained, well, no, you write down, you know, what you're gonna do the next day or the next week. And she thought, who does this? Uh, The government plans out what I'm gonna do tomorrow, what I'm gonna eat, who I'm gonna talk to, when I go to bed, that's how these places are. Uh, And and if you say the wrong thing, you're eliminated. Mm -hmm. And we see our country starting to really go down this road. And it's a slippery slope. It's a big warning sign sign, what's happening right now. Because you start going down that slope and you start gathering speed exponentially. Mm -hmm. We've seen a change over the last seven months that I've never seen in my entire lifetime. So quickly, it
1: seems like well, because we've become aware of things like critical race theory too late, and it's America. It has to go that far before anybody believes you, because prior to that, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Mm. And so that's what I want to mention a few things that and how she ended her podcast. If you listen, you got to listen to the whole thing so you realize the horrors that she's seen. I'm going to just summarize a few things quickly. So at about 13, her and her mother escaped to China, where her mother, uh, they didn't know what China was, they had no idea, they just saw lights there and figured that they could find food. And as soon as they got over there, they were seized by uh, sex, the sex slave industry, her mother was raped right in front of her, she didn't know what rape or sex was uh, prior to this. But her mother offered herself because they wanted to rape her. And so they were both sold into sex slavery in different uh, places, and so uh, so I'd say about a year later, maybe to fourteen or fifteen years old, she was sold to an owner who then raped her for two years, and uh, did have a degree of compassion towards her. But you got to understand the society. That's this is the whole Chinese society. It's it's disgusting, and she got. Uh, she was able to find her mother and flee to South Korea. This is probably when she's 15 years old, where she got an education. She literally at the, by this time, when she got into school at 15, she was found to have the awareness of about a seven-year-old mm-hmm. and she got obsessed with learning and getting educated. And in South Korea, that's what they do. They are that obsessed. Is what they do. With, yeah. They're obsessed yes. with education there. And So she got this amazing education and uh, uh, then had the opportunity to come to the U.S. to go to university. And she went to Columbia and was completely horrified with how bad college is here now. And this is what she discussed at length with Jordan Peterson. And uh, Jordan Peterson has gone on this crusade to uncover uh, this This is what what is going on with colleges throughout the United States with a lot of different experts. It's a it's a horrible thing. So what? um, Okay. so first one of the first things she said, our idea of oppression in quotes is hearing the wrong pronouns or arguing about changing the names of sports teams. Right. And, you know, after what she's seen and rape survivor, starvation survivor, all of these things, she said every class. Every college class at Columbia ended with, quote, the only way to fix things is to get rid of Western civilization, get rid of the Constitution, get rid of white men, they are the problem. The source of every single problem that we have is white men, every class, she said, an example, music class, the professor asked, who has a problem with listening to Western music, everyone raised their hands. He says, bigots like Mozart and Beethoven oppress the music of minority groups. And uh, yeah, Yen, Yenmi has, has finally found being able to talk about this the way she has the last few years. She wrote a book in 2015 about this before she went to college. and But now being able to talk about this, she's found one or two other people from North Korea that she can share this with because she has felt so alone. Nobody Mm. understands this. This is the people listening to us right now. Can't really fathom. I suggest, please, for the love of God, look up Me Park on Joe Rogan's podcast that just came out last week, or even the one uh, with Jordan Peterson. Both are equally horrific, but enlightening.
0: Mm. This is the problem, Barry, is that uh, here in the West, we can't fathom what this what marxism yeah. uh it does that's is, this is what it is it's marxism and marxism has been the biggest murdering mechanism in the last hundred years um this book, uh, by mm-hmm. Stephen Scherer, uh, we interviewed him on CyberTalk TV a couple of weeks ago, and he spent time in a Chinese communist detention, an American, and he says the same thing that Yenmi Park says. Is it Park Parks? Park. Or- I was
1: calling Park. her Parks before. I think maybe that's how Jordan Peterson had it, but on this podcast, it's Park.
0: He he was saying the same thing that she says is that he he's he's oh. isolated and alone. Uh, When he tries to communicate this to other people here in the West, uh, they look at him like he's got three heads. They can't they just can't understand. They can't fathom it. And he actually says that's a blessing in a way because we haven't had this kind of oppression here. But the problem Mm -hmm. is, is that we've not been educated of what the dangers are of, of Marxism and really the only people that understand it are the ones that have gone out of their way to research and and mm-hmm. really learn about it and listen to these people like Enme Park yeah. i mean these are the experts they're the ones that experience this Real they people. understand this is these are the people these are the watchtower people they can see the storm coming Um, Or they're the canary in the coal mine. Uh, They they can sense it before we can sense it because they're much more sensitive to this kind of thing. And every person that I know that has come from a place like uh, Venezuela or Cuba or uh, even Russia... These people are all talking the same way they see the same warning signs that are happening here in America. And we need to start having an open ear to what these people are saying. I'm so glad that Joe Rogan did that interview with Park. He's doing a, a great service. Yeah, I believe to America.
1: Absolutely, he is. Long form interview that the guy has, edu- as he says, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. Joe says he's educated himself so much over the last 10 years of doing this podcast that, you know, it's unbelievable. And
0: I can relate.
1: Yeah. I, I, I check out his podcast to see what's up about twice a week. Cause he has a lot of MMA fighters on there and stuff that I don't mm. care too much. Although when I do listen to them, oh my God, they're so intelligent too. They have very intelligent conversations, yes. but I look, you only got so many hours in a day. So I look for the uh, most deep uh, and interesting ones that he has. And he done, he's an amazing interviewer. I want to make the point. It was a very, very sad ending. Joe Is talking to her, and he's like, Man, you really paint a bleak picture. Do you think there's hope here? She hesitated a lot. And she said, She just doesn't know that, you know, because China's probably, as she says, going to hang on longer than us and beat us because the more soft we become, and you know how soft we are becoming. She says, China knows nothing but resilience, viciousness, and violence. This is what they know. And, no. and they are pushing, they are pushing propaganda upon us, they are infiltrating social media with paying people, I think millions of people to get in there and pretend that they're other Americans and inflate all of these arguments going on. And people falling for all of this politicization, polarization, team this team that you're just being led around by your nose ring, you've got to yeah. break down yeah. the barriers, you got to yeah. see what's going on, you're being played just absolutely being played. Our media is a huge part of this problem. And maybe, maybe we're right at the cusp of uh, usurping mainstream media completely with this privatized media that we are doing now. As you said, what Joe Rogan is doing, he's reaching millions of people. And so is Jordan Peterson. So are other people like them. And that's why we feel it's very important for us to bring to our friends some of these summaries and hopefully encourage you. To uh, check yeah. out some of these podcasts.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it's really important too, Barry and I. Uh, <clears throat> I always want to keep in the forefront of my mind as we talk about the serious nature of the threat that's coming from China, especially yeah. because it, it is rocking our world here in America. Yeah. And most people are blind to how that's actually happening. And I have to admit I was, too, until I really started to to uncover some of these stones. And now I can see the infiltration that's happening uh, all over the place. Uh, They're using the philosophy of uh, uh, the, the, the art of war. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it is death by a thousand pinpricks. And so they're coming at us uh, in every opening that they can have. Mm-hmm. They're coming and it's espionage. It's, it's, it's all of these different kinds of things that we can't really see as traditional warfare. And that's really the the, the trick here. But we have faced in our history of America some pretty dire times that we've been able to make it through and even. Uh, when I think about the complacency here mm-hmm. of the American citizenry, uh, we saw that we've seen the same thing before, before uh, I, I'm thinking specifically of world war two. Uh, there was a lot of the same general things. There were a lot of the same general things and feelings and the kind of government that we had at the time, many similarities there. Mm-hmm. And Pearl Harbor really woke up the sleeping giant. And so you know, I don't know what it takes for America to wake up. Can America wake up again? I believe that it's possible because mm-hmm. there's something that Yenmi Park does not actually have an experience with, and that is our roots and our culture of where we are. I mean, we grew up with this constitution. We grew up in a country under God. She did not. Uh, she didn't, she was not, uh, she didn't come into that. And Really, when it comes down to it, I mean, at least from my point of view, I see this as the ultimate battle that's taking place behind the scenes between good and evil. And I'm the Chinese Communist Party; they really represent evil. What they're doing is yeah, they're terrifying. Yeah. And um, and and really, uh, there is a good that comes from this nation. I'm not saying everybody's good here; that that would be a lie. But we're our nation is premised on good that's that's what the nation is. And I just believe that when it comes to the battle between good and evil, evil will always put up a good fight. Yeah. But in the end, good's gonna win. And well,
1: I-, I sure hope you're right. I sure hope you're right. Uh, I, I have my doubts. Uh, I really do. It, every civilization, and they pointed this out in the podcast, every civilization falls and yeah, but Chinese the, the Chinese uh, government seems to be positioning themselves to do something along the lines of Rome, ancient Rome. Yeah,
0: yeah, they they do that they kind do. of
1: longevity. We've been here like three hundred years. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke. Uh, it's a joke how quickly we we got corrupted. That's the shame. Uh, our forefathers put together such a brilliant and inspirational government, but just still, I mean, it's it's amazing how it's impossible to stop corruption of human beings.
0: Well, and I I really believe that when the founders put together this country, of course, it was a benefit to this entire country. But what they were doing was they were putting a concept together, an idea together that that actually has changed the entire world. We've seen evidence of that. And, um, and and it is a result of the goodness of God. I mean, that is what the Declaration of Independence uh, talks about. So what, when they framed it, they actually framed it as the battle between good and evil and that their faith in the God of the universe uh, overcoming evil is what we're premised on. So it, it comes down to our core belief system. Is good more powerful than evil? Uh, is 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 light more powerful than than dark? And uh, I just say this that when you look at Rome, for example, and what happened at the end of the Roman Empire, uh, it, it, it was a result of corruption and evil that had happened within Rome that disintegrated their power structure, their power platform. When you're when you're on a platform of good, uh, it doesn't disintegrate that way. Well, that's what we have to get back to at, in America, is that foundational good. And I really believe that it many times takes a a shaking, a rattling to cause that to happen. And we saw that at the end of uh, at 9-11. There was a brief time there yeah. at 9-11 where About there was it was unfortunate that it lasted like that. Mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be a, a, a permanent change there, Me but it too. didn't happen. It was discouraged. It's a discouraging that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But can it happen again? I believe that it can. Oh but yeah. I have hope. I do too. I
1: do too. And I, I don't, I want to say that when it comes to spiritual religious thoughts that I'm very open and I'm a very spiritual person. I don't, pretend that I have anything fig- really figured out in those regards. But Merle, when you talk about the battle of good and evil, I, I just want people to realize that uh, it's like, to me, it's a battle against human corruption, which seems to be a natural inclination. It is, And, and so, and the reason I say that is because I also feel that we've been in this transition for quite some time for decades, where as people get a little bit more aware in science, everybody's like, believe the science and what they're meaning by that. They're using that for two different things. They're using that for as a, a, a rally cry around cl- uh, climate change and a rally cry around uh, anti-religious, like anti-Christian kind of belief. And what I think that that is, is we're caught in the middle at this point for a good reason too. Like, I think as people get, Uh, increase their awareness, and everyone thinks that they're so ultimately aware right now that's when you are completely lost. It's kind of like the, the 20 year old that thinks that they know everything and then you get to be 40 years old and realize you didn't know anything. And it's kind of where we are as a society, but for very good reason. One thing that we seem to never be able to talk about in this country, and Jordan Peterson pointed this out in a in an interview I saw not too long ago where he once again, and I only saw it the once. I couldn't find it again, but once again, he was asked, why don't you express why or if you believe in God or not? And he goes, once again, he's like, oh, God, I hate that question. And and he goes, it started to explain and one of the reasons why I hate that question so much is because I don't know how to answer it. He goes, to be quite honest, I don't know how to answer that question. and But he went on to lay out a few reasons why. Uh, and the one that really stuck with me is what I'm getting back to is he said, because one of the reasons is is because what happened in the Catholic Church a couple de- over the last couple of decades, the uncovering of the prolific raping of boys that was subsequently covered up by the entire Catholic Church. What this tells you is that the entire Catholic Church, right up to the top, don't believe what they are preaching themselves, that they will burn in hell eternally. They clearly don't believe that. If they are willing to cover up for fellow human beings. Mm. So he says that that is a very big, what I'm trying to say is that's a very big problem in our society right now is we try to struggle with our spirituality. It's that is perfect ammunition to say, this is why I believe in science and not religion. And what I'm trying to say is there's a there's a middle point here. There's just something that I feel. I feel I feel interconnected with everything I know from science that atoms do not stay we are not made up of this finite uh, group of atoms that they jump from this form to another, and that they can come from different stars, we all have all of these different atoms that we're only held together by energy these atoms are only held together by energy and they're constantly interchanging. Like I can yeah. have atoms from yeah. you back in California and you from me. So we're only held together by energy. Everything is held together by energy. The more that we learn about quantum physics, which is still such a mystery, but the more we realize we don't know. And, and things are, there's a, the more that I get, the more awareness that I get, the more you could almost say religious that I get.
0: Well, you know, I think it's in, I, that was very good, Barry. I, uh, I just want to say that when we talk about religion. And spirituality. I see those two things as very, very different. And I, I oh. see you as a very spiritual person. I don't see you as a religious person. No, um, I'm not a religious person. Um, I have a, uh, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, but that's not, religion to me is rules and things. Dogma. That you, yeah, it just like rituals that you have to do. I, I'm allergic to that. That's not um, That's not me. Uh, I don't believe that that's really what, um, I, I think the most important thing is having a relationship with God. I think the Bible proves that out as well. I wanted to address the believe the science thing because you had, I think, really, in an excellent way pointed out that um you know believe the science is actually a call to not believe god and uh it's being it, bastardized that's that? that's how it is and, and mm-hmm. i just want to say believe the science is a weird thing to say to begin with because yeah, you're picking
1: and choosing and to cram say, cram believe it, you know.
0: the science is to actually not really understand what science is mm-hmm. and, and when you take a look at science mm-hmm. science is made up of theories um, theories have to be proven and reproven by hypothesis, through the scientific method, by, by, um, by recreating the atmosphere and, and causing these things to happen over and over. That's how you prove scientific theories. But when you start to say, believe the science, it's as if science is rock solid and that the theories are fact and that they're one and done science is never one and done. Science is constantly evolving. And yeah. when we start to say, believe the science, it starts to become propaganda. And, and it's in, we can see it now as being used as a, a political weapon against political enemies when you say, believe the science. It's a misnomer. That's not what science is. The scientific method uh, that we all learned proves that out. We should be nervous when somebody says, believe the science. What we should look at is embrace the science. Um, And there is no I think, once again, Barry, you're so uh, intelligent when you say that there's a middle ground, you don't have to choose between God and science. There you go is the master scientist. The reason we have theories about science is because we don't know everything. We know that there is a God of the universe that has put all of these things in order. And we're constantly trying to aspire to that, that wisdom. Um, And we know that it's above us. So we're constantly evolving our knowledge based on the testing of that. But if we start to say, believe the science, and it's one and done, that absolutely devastates the field of science. And we'll never move beyond where we are today. In fact, we'll re Grass, so uh, it's an interesting wordplay when people say that. But it's so one divisive. of those. It's yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, grab your wallet when somebody tells you that because you're about to be manipulated somehow, and go. it's probably going to be your tax dollars are going to disappear <laughs> when bureaucrats tell you to believe the science. Look out! They're not scientists. They know nothing about science. Right. All they want to do is get reelected. And if they're going to use, and now they're going to put a bunch of people with white coats behind them to get the votes. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think, uh, look, I used to be a carny. These are some of the best carnies ever. Yeah. And carnies aren't really that smart. So <laughs> this was the thing.
1: Can you speak to what I said about what Jordan Peterson brought up about how um, the Catholic Church, the yes. disservice that they did, Ugh. and mostly the point of he the realization that whether people realize it consciously or just in the back of their minds, but clearly the leaders of the church don't believe what they're preaching.
0: Yeah. it's 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 one of the worst things so the bible reserves uh judgment for people that are in leadership uh leading the flock uh it really wolves he call, he says that they're wolves in sheep's clothing um and to beware of these people and so they'll come to you in in his name uh but they're they're corrupt and um the fact of the matter is is it's unfortunate that we look at our institutions of religion and try to say, well, that's what God is like, because mm-hmm. he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, God is, is, is look, we live in a fallen world. That's the whole premise of mm-hmm. the Bible. When Adam and Eve bit into that apple or whatever that piece of fruit was, because it doesn't actually say it was an apple in the Bible, really? whatever mm-hmm. it was that they bit into uh, that changed the entire world. It changed the universe uh, into a corruption, and that uh, that mankind then became susceptible to corruption. and uh, and and really, Barry, you were bringing this up earlier. I love what you were saying. I mean, the way that the founders put together this country was exactly with that in mind is that we live in a fallen world, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so with that in mind, we have to put together checks and balances in order to make sure that these people don't have the absolute power to use it and wield it against a population for their own benefit. But what we're seeing here in this country is an erosion of that, those constitutional powers that actually cause that separation of power so that corruption doesn't happen, and especially, Barry, over the last two years under coronavirus – When President Trump declared a national emergency, it was the start of the dominoes falling because what that did was it allowed the governors of each of the states to amass not only their executive power that they were elected to have, but also the legislative power as well. And that has changed our country dramatically. And what we've also seen, and you and I have talked about this a million times, is that when we give that kind of power to the federal government, we... Never get it back. We've got That's to fight a to get that back. And we've got to be so, and, and of course, they're going to use these crisis situations and pull that lever every single time. Remember Ron Emanuel saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. Mm-hmm. We, every single look over the last 30 years, every crisis we've seen, they have used it as a cudgel to, to beat our, 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 our our liberties out of our hands. And now we live in a different America. Um, But back to your question, I I don't know, did I answer the question about the Catholic Church? I'm disgusted by that. But it's and it does, it's leading people away from God, they've done a terrible disservice, but that isn't how God is. I'm ashamed of that. And it's
1: the fact that they could not come out and say we got a something like a a 10 year plan of restitution to humankind as what happened here. It's just like we all decided, no, we can't talk about it. That's pretty much what happened.
0: It's terrible. And really the Catholic church has got a long history of this kind of corruption. This is how the Protestant church actually came to be because, you know, Catholic means universal. And so this was the universal church, and um, and because of this kind of corruption, it's it split into all these different denominations. And I really believe that the Catholic Church is is especially under this Pope, uh, they're under a massive spiritual attack right now, and it's doesn't it's ugly. It's and ugly. And they've
1: always been way too powerful. That's that's always a problem. Religion should never get that kind of power. It's too manipulative. It it's see, too easily corrupted.
0: This is it, is that they they became a political force uh yeah, and, yeah. and and really became like they were, you know, the it was again back to absolute power they were the judge jury and executioner Mm -hmm. of all of europe for for hundreds and hundreds of years and and they did a terrible thing and now you look at europe they're almost devoid of of any kind of solid christianity there as a result and now look what's happened the whole place has changed dramatically it doesn't even look like the same place it was just 30 years ago
1: i know we do need a moral compass and it needs to be based on uh some common sense and the science that we know of today and what has happened is we got two sides battling it's just like everything else So when you get the far left saying we uh, believe in science, that's so divisive and it is pointing right at uh, religious, real religious uh, Christians that aren't going to dig in. I've always had that problem with uh, Christians that would say, you know, you don't believe what we believe you're going to burn in hell. Uh, That it's come on, come on, man. I just can't buy that either. So that's very divisive. And so that's what, that's what you're stuck with. Everything's so damn divisive, but we need a moral compass and, So we need that to evolve. We need to evolve our conversation a little bit because, boy, everything's kind of getting away from us. I want to mention one thing, Merle, that I think next week, I want to talk about Bitcoin. Uh, Jordan Peterson had a podcast. uh, It's only an hour and a half with these uh, four guys that have a book club and that are all involved in Bitcoin. They're very intelligent people. And uh, the, the reason that Peterson found them is because... Their latest thing, what they were discussing was Peterson's book, Maps of Meaning, and they directly related to the financial implications of Bitcoin and the possible future of it. All I want to say is uh, for now, because it's very complicated, that these guys find Bitcoin to be incorruptible and can take the money away from the World Bank and the Federal Reserve. And Mm -hmm. boy, there's a start at reversing some corruption We'll talk about that in more detail. I hope it's very
0: interesting. I don't know who a is. whole lot about this. I didn't at know all. anything. I'd love to listen to that. So send it over to me so I, we can discuss it.
1: And, yeah. and uh, I have a link, too, that I have both those links. And... Uh, Ben Shapiro has an excellent 14-minute description on Bitcoin on YouTube. So I'll send that to you so that we can talk about that. It's really deep. It's well, these guys are talking like, oh, I've been in economics my whole life, but then I discovered Bitcoin and went down the rabbit hole. So for two years, I've been trying to absolutely define it and figure it all out. That's how hmm. complicated it is.
0: Wow. Over two but, years. Jeez
1: man, it really looks like it could be a solution to a big problem that we have our finances, the banks and the bank owns the world. World Bank absolutely owns the world. But uh think it's about I'm so like, where are we because of our crazy time trying to get started this morning about are we at about an hour? You think?
0: Yeah, we are. We're a little worry. over an hour right now.
1: Okay. Uh, I had a lot of Current events that I wanted to talk about, but um, maybe we'll put that into the after show for as long as yeah, you know, we can. Good. I want yeah. to lighten this up with uh, one one thing here, and uh, I have an idea. I I was thinking, wow, it'd be kind of cool if you and I uh, switched off on talking about this thing. Now I'm looking for this article. I found it, and a terrific, inspiring article. And I don't, can, can you read it? Yeah. Okay. And how about if we switch off uh, paragraphs, I'll bring it in and then you pick up uh, and underneath her foot, you pick up with it. This is what she wrote. So this is Florida woman inadvertently starts a revolution inside a convenience store. And this was just a few days ago, August 6th. And here we go. A Florida woman has gone viral after she posted a story about helping a homeless man outside of a convenience store, which sparked a chain reaction of kindness. Barbara Mack took to Facebook where she explained how she bought a homeless man a bottle of water on a very hot summer day and someone shamed her for it.
0: Oh, man. So this is what she wrote. I may have inadvertently started a revolution in the uh, convenience store today. I stopped to grab a water and on the way in, I saw a homeless man I know sitting in the shade with his bike beside him. He was red faced and shaky looking. I asked if he was okay and he told me that he was just resting. The guy's got the mind of a child and I'm afraid he doesn't know he needs to stay extra hydrated when it's super hot outside. There were a bunch of people in line in front of me And only one cashier. So I grabbed two waters and yelled to the cashier that I was taking one to the guy outside and I'd be right back. I'm a regular there. When I came in, the lady in front of me turned around, hands on her hip, and told me that I was just enabling that homeless person, said with a sneer, and that I shouldn't be wasting my money on him. It's hot as hell in Florida right now, mid-90s with humidity around 80. It's a good day for heat stroke. And I told her so. I said I'd rather give him a water than call an ambulance. I was going to shrug it off, let it go, chalk it up to ignorance and the heat making everybody cranky. And then she told me I should be ashamed of myself, that somebody should call the police on him and that it should be illegal to beg for money. The people who give give the homeless money just encourage them to stay homeless, and that should be illegal too. Ashamed. I should be ashamed for giving some poor old guy a water. It costs a whole dollar, by the way, and I should get in trouble for making sure he didn't stroke out in this heat. I guess I look nice, approachable. Like I wouldn't rip your head off. I am nice most of the time, but not always. I lost and let, me
1: take, like, let me take this. And I lost my temper. I told her to call a cop and report me for buying stuff at a convenience store. I told her that I wasn't in in the damn mood for crazy right now, that it's a 100 effing degrees outside and I'm hot and tired and sick to death of stupid people that if she had one ounce of compassion in her body she would buy him a cold drink too then maybe she would figure out why she needs to be to a cost complete strangers and how and how about after that she back the f out of my face and out of the, out of my business and turn back around and not say one more damn word to me I'm just about deaf in one ear. I tried to modulate my voice unless I get angry. It got pretty loud. It got pretty loud there at the end. There was dead silence in the store. And then someone someone said loudly, for real. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy at the front of the line told the cashier to add a sandwich to his purpose. his purchases for the guy outside the guy behind me bought an extra ice cream the girl behind him got it got changed for a 20 because that guy probably could use some cash go ahead
0: every single person in line got him something everyone except the now very embarrassed lady in front of me who slunk out without saying another word when I got the cash when I got to the cashier she didn't charge me for either of the waters because she was going to take him one anyway and mine was free because of the entertainment <laughs> when I went outside he was eating his ice cream and drinking his water with a pile of stuff around him a big old grin on his face he didn't look shaky anymore And there People is the story of why I hate people <laughs> I was yeah, yeah, and why I love people and why I lo- Okay, and why I love people all in the same damn minute. I sat in the car and drank my water and laughed with tears in my eyes. Same as I'm doing now. Oh. supposed to has been shared more than 139,000 times. And she says she's glad her story has been an inspiration to so many. And isn't wow, that Barry. great? Yeah, that was pretty cool when you first things? read that. Like she started a revolution in the yeah. in the thing. I was like, oh no! But what yeah. a great story this is, and what, it, a, what a uh, what a great heart she has.
1: Absolutely, but it does also bring up a philosophical discussion too. Let's not get crazy about it, but about begging, yeah. because people on the street. It's really well known. I've seen the Dateline specials. The people like putting on their dirty clothes to go through the woods out to the uh, city block and start begging and they're making $50,000 a year in tax free
0: money. Well, the fact is is that, you know, especially out here in Los Angeles, you can't give to everybody that's begging for money because there's so many people yeah. that are begging for money out yeah. there and my my philosophy is this cuz I have a compassionate heart but I can't give to everybody so I just let God lead my heart like if if I if my heart is tugged in a certain way then that means I need to do that but if it's not then I just keep on walking you know I mean mm-hmm. that that's it uh, that's the only governor I have in this whole thing and I can't give to everybody but God just leads me right to the people that I believe he wants me to be with and that's how I do it
1: yeah and uh, because the you're thing-
0: right there are people out there that are going to take advantage of you and and there are people that uh, use that as a as sort of a, a trap to uh, yeah. to get you into a very bad situation. So we've always got to, you know, use our hearts to, to yeah. you know, or your gut, yeah. you know, you get a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I Go with your gut. Absolutely.
1: Okay. With that, those great parting words and uh, check us out on the after show. You'll see it come up right at the bottom of your screen and uh, talk to you guys next week. Love you guys.